At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. My name is Abe Maynard. I'm the student pastor. My wife, Corey, and I moved here just over a year and a half ago. Uh, after graduating from seminary, moved here to join the Wildwood community, have loved our time here at Wildwood and in Norman. And we have a five-and-a-half-month-old named Eleanor, a um, little ball of spunk and joy. Uh, this last week, I got a picture from my wife, Corey. She had asked Eleanor to smile, and this is what happened, you know, uh, close, she was almost there. Uh, and knowing Eleanor, I know that there was probably a growl that came with this because she's strange like that. She just will like open her mouth and, uh, and um, it's probably because she's my daughter. But uh, that is, I, I've told some students this, it is incredibly cute during the day. Very, very cute during the day to have her growling, um, terrifying at night to be laying in bed and to have a small human growling somewhere in the room. It's just, you know, but that's the way she is. Uh, but she, she does a number of things. She doesn't just growl. She does a number of things every day, consistently, without fail. We know that she's going to eat every day. We know she's going to sleep every day. We know that we're going to have to change multiple diapers every day, which has become a whole new a whole new experience now that she's eating avocado and sweet potatoes. But um, there's also something that she's done every day of her life from the moment that she was born, and that is that she every day will cry. The moment she was born, I, was, I had the opportunity to hold her, and she quickly realized that she was in a world that was very bright, very loud, very cold, and very busy. And that was uncomfortable. And so here I am holding a newly born Eleanor, and she is wailing her little head off. Um, but she does it every day. She cries every day. And it's not because she's unique or different. It's because that's the way God has made her, to express discomfort. And as I have processed that and thought about our, um, our, the miniseries that Kevin showed the college pastor and I have had the privilege of putting together um, how long, oh Lord. It's been interesting to think about that reality that she cries every day, that that's the way God has made her, and that a fundamental piece of each and every one of us is found in crying. Now, this may look different um, depending on who you are, your age. I understand this fully. I have three younger sisters. So there were a number of times where I heard, uh, I just need a good cry. And that was very different than what I w was experiencing. But that crying is fundamental to being human. And today we are in week two of How Long, O Lord? And this comes, this is a series on a lament that comes directly, this title comes directly from Psalm 13, verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? This expression of biblical sadness, this is how um, we defined it last week with Kevin, a way to biblically express sadness. Now, if we think about this, if it's fundamental to be human, crying is fundamental to being human, then 
lament should be fundamental to being Christian. The biblical expression of sadness, we all deal with sadness, pain, hardship, suffering, hard days. Lament should be a fundamental part of our walk with Christ. We, um, we explored a, a pattern, a blueprint of lament that came out of Psalm 13, and um, we are going to utilize this again this week. It's that lament is turning to God, complaining to God, God, this is what hurts. This is what's hard. This is where I'm uncertain. Asking God to step in, to be a part of your life an active member of the season that you're in, and then trusting that God will move, that God will answer, even if that doesn't specifically mean it'll be in the way we expect, but trusting that he will move. There was one line in our time with Kevin last week that stuck out to me, and I think it will inform um, the question and the exploration that we have in store for us today. So the, the line is, lament is how you live between hard experiences and God's promises. This is something that I've been processing a lot this week. Lament is how you live between hard experiences and God's promises. As I've thought about this, it led me to a question. How can God's promises inform our lament? inform my lament. As we are in the process of saying, God, I want to turn to you in hardship, in sadness. I want to turn to you. How can God's promises inform that action of lament in our faith? We're going to Psalm 86 together. Uh, I'd love to have you, if you have a Bible, love to have you turn there. You have a phone, click there. It will be on the screen, and you're welcome to read along with me. Um, Psalm 86, again, a, a, a chapter of lament, a prayer of lament from David uh, in, in the same way that Psalm 13 was. We don't know the, the specific circumstances that took place within this moment in David's life. We don't know exactly what was going on, but we do know that he was, he was fearful for his life, that he was in a space where fear and, and hardship were on his doorstep, and we get this prayer from, um, from that moment. Verse 1, incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy, Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to, you, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the, the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous things." You alone are God. 
Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Give thanks. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. This is Psalm 86, a prayer of David in a moment of hardship. And as we look at this chapter, it's interesting to see that we have the same pattern of lament that we saw in, verse, in chapter 13. Now, it looks a little bit different functionally, um, but we see in verses 1 through 13 the action of David turning to God. Verses 1 through 13 is him declaring who God is, being honest about the space that he is in, turning to God, taking a hold of life's hard experiences and God's promises, and using that to turn to God and lament. And not until verse 14 do we see David complain. He says, there are violent, insolent men coming against me. They seek my life. And they don't put you before them, Lord. Then we see in verse 16, him ask, turn to me and be gracious to me. And in verse 17, we see him trust, Lord, you have helped me and comforted me. Turning, complaining, asking, and trusting. This is the pattern of lament. Now, as we look at this, we go back to our question, how can God's promises inform our lament? And if we're going to reword this, how can God's character, how can who God is help us lament, help us express sadness, pain, suffering? In this chapter, as I read through it, I found nearly 20 different areas where it expressed a characteristic or a promise of God. Now, you could take a sigh of relief in the fact that we're not going to explore 20 characteristics of God today. Um, I've picked four, okay? Much more manageable. But four different characteristics that I think can help inform our action of turning to God in lament. The first is God is personal. God is personal. Verse 1 says, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. This, I love the, the picture of this verse. We see it again in verse 6 where he says, Give me your ear, O Lord. Um, and this is not like a, hey, hand me your ear, but it makes me think of a kid running up to a parent and tugging on their clothes and, hey, I've got something to tell you. Can I, can I talk to you for a minute? This is the picture that I see when I read this. Incline your ear. God is personal. There's a picture of, Jesus, of God bending over to hear out what David has to say. He's a personal God. Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not of more value than they? There's um, a a practice that Corey and I are trying to implement more for our habits than it is for Eleanor, but every night we try to end the day with a a chapter in the Jesus Storybook Bible. Anybody know the Jesus Storybook Bible? Um, Just a, a great little resource for kids Uh, that explains the truths of God's word and ties it all together. So as you're reading it, you see the connection from creation to Jesus to um, when he returns. But we came to this passage, and as it was explaining this story, it says, it's like Jesus was saying to the people listening, have you ever seen a a bird walk into a grocery store? And that bird hops on a cart and somehow like moves that cart to the produce section and loads up some fruit and then makes it over to the seeds and the nuts and, you know, loads up some of those so that it has enough stuff for the week. It goes and it checks out and heads back to its little nest somewhere. And, and the Jesus Storybook Bible, it says the listeners, no, we've never seen a bird go to the grocery store. That's craziness. But what the truth that they're explaining is that birds, they're not, they're not sowing. They're not reaping. They're not storing away in barns. You know why? Because God knows each and every one of them and provides for them. And if God cares that specifically for every single bird, how much more does he care for you, image bearer of God? God is personal. How does this inform our lament as we, as we face hardship, as we face struggle? The action of turning to God is turning to a God who is personal, who knows us. I think of Psalm 139, he knit us together. He knows all of our days and has them in his book. He knows us personally, intimately, individually. This is who we're turning to when we turn and lament. Not a, a foreign God who sits on a throne, but a God who is personal and cares for each and every one of us. The second promise is God is the creator. Verse 9, all the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. We know right from the very beginning, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then jumping to verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God promises that he is the creator. And how does this inform our lament? He's not just a personal God. He's creator God who speaks and things come into existence. As we turn to God in lament, We're turning to the God who is beyond space and time, who has the power to speak light and dark, light into darkness, has the power to separate land and sea. This is the God we turn to when we turn in lament. God is personal, God is the creator, God is sovereign. Verse 8 There is none like you among the gods, O Lord nor are there any works like yours. As we read this, we need to be reminded that in the space that David was writing, he was surrounded by countries that would create gods for themselves. They would take wood or stone or metal and form them into a shape and worship that 
made object. This is why we see small g gods. None like you among the gods. David's saying, God, there, are, there is no other God like you. You are the only real God. All of those other gods are inanimate hunks of material. God, you are sovereign. There are the works that you, are comp- that you accomplish. None of the works, no works are like yours. God is sovereign. We also see David again in 1 Chronicles 29, 11, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. It's also not something that we only see in these verses, but throughout the chapter of Psalm 86, there are 15 times that David uses a Hebrew name for God. He uses a number of different Hebrew names to express different characteristics of God, but seven out of the 15 times he uses the name Adonai, which is an emphatic name that speaks to his power, his dominion, that he is a God who is in charge. This is not just a This is not just a a throwaway title for David, but over and over and over he expresses, God, you are sovereign. As I turn to you in lament, as I turn to you in hardship, I am turning to you, God, because you are able. You are capable. You have the power to step in and come alongside God is personal, God is the creator, God is sovereign, and our fourth is that God is faithful. Verse 13, for great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. We see his faithfulness again in verse 15, but I love this one because great is your steadfast love. I I like that he used that word steadfast, unchanging, unwavering, not moving. This is the God we turn to in lament. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. How is it that we can hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering? Because God is faithful because he doesn't change, because he promises to be the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That he, he isn't wavered by the lack of, of prettiness in our moments of lament. That he's not shaken by our tears. Because he is steadfast. God is personal, God is the creator, God is sovereign, and God is faithful. To cry is fundamentally human, to lament should be fundamental to our Christianity. Lament is the ground, is the ground is grounded in the fact that we know God. We know who he is. We know his promises. We lament because we know at creation, God created everything and said, it is good. But when we look at the world around us, we see brokenness. 
We lament because the fall happened and, and corrupted that which God made as humanity turned their backs on the relationship that they had with God. We lament that. We lament that there is a hope in Jesus Christ and there are people that haven't accepted it yet. People that haven't heard it. We lament that, that those, those individuals in our lives, friends and, and or family, desperately need the truth of the gospel, but it hasn't transformed them yet. We lament that there is a day of restoration coming where we know that every tear will be wiped away and that, that God will come in and restore the brokenness of our world. We lament because that day has not come yet. And today is hard. We lament. But as we lament, we hold on to the hard experiences of life and we take a firm grasp on the character and the promises of God and turn to God in the action of lament. As we, um, as we think about these promises of God, Just skip that one, I guess. Um, As we think about these promises of God, the question should then become, so if these promises are to inform my lament, where do I go now? Where do I step this afternoon? How do I move into lament this week, this month? I think David gives us a great picture in verse 11 where he, sees, he says, Teach me your way, O Lord. Recognize the, the transition that's taken place. So Psalm 13, verse 1, How long, O Lord, will you forget me? We begin this chapter 86 with, Incline your ear, Lord. I am poor and I'm needy. But then verse 11, we see David say, Teach me your way, O Lord. This is not just something that David said. I apologize because this is small, but there's a ton on it. Even if you can just recognize that there's a bunch going on here, you've got the idea, okay? So there, these are the verses in, in chapter 86, and then these are the, the verses earlier in God's word that David brought words from for this prayer. Psalm 86 is a mosaic of of God's word, of the scriptures coming into this moment of lament for David. When he said, teach me your way, O Lord, it wasn't just words he was speaking, but it was a lifestyle he was living in. When he said, teach me your way, O Lord, he was saying, God, I'm turning to you, and here is who you have promised to be. And now I'm presenting this lament to you. As we think about crying out to God in this way, as we learn to lament, as we learn to turn to God in life's hard experiences, there's four ways that I think this week we could apply in prayer, asking God, teach me your way. The first is teach me to be honest with you. Lament is not a space to be put together. Lament is not a space to look good, to be presentable. Lament is an expression of hardship. 
the action of saying, God, life isn't, isn't where I want it to be. But I know you're personal. I know you are the creator. I know you are sovereign. I know you are faithful. But here's where life's at. Teach me to be honest with you, Lord, as I learn to lament. Second, teach me to rely on you. We live in a culture where it's just deal with it. Just figure it out. Just make it through. Um, We think about just the idea of lament. There's the reality is that we've probably interacted with this word lament more in the last few months than we have in a lifetime. And for a lot of us, this is a foreign language. This is a, a, a space of expression that we don't have a firm grasp on. But when we look at the authors of the Bible, a third of the Psalms is lament. We have a book, Lamentations. The word lament is right there in the title. As we look at the story of the people of Israel and the prophets, major sections of lament. This was a language they understood and a language they used to rely on God. So we say, God, teach me how to rely on you. Teach me how to rely on you in turning to you in lament. Third, teach me to praise you. I think back to our time in Habakkuk and how Pastor Bruce wrapped up our time in that book talking about how we could praise God in the storm. God is worthy of praise, and that never changes. So even in moments of lament, we should be seeking out God. Teach me how to praise you even when life hurts even when it is hard. And then the final one, teach me to see your works. Asking God, Lord, open my eyes to see you at work, to see you moving, to see you today. Fundamental as we learn to lament, because it's a biblical expression of sadness, turning to God, complaining to God, asking of God, and trusting God. As we look at David, David, in this, in this moment, in his fear for his life, didn't run to his own re- resolution for the pain. He didn't run to solve his own pain. I know that that's often where I'll, I run. How can I take care of this? He didn't run to distract himself from pain to pull his eyes and his heart away from the pain he was feeling just to get some relief for a moment. What David did do is he ran directly into the arms of a personal, sovereign, faithful creator God. He tugged on his clothes and said, incline your ear, Lord. Teach me how to lament. I pray that that is our hearts this week. That as we face hardship and pain, that we look to God and say, God, teach me how to lament, how to express this honestly, to rely on you, to praise you, and to see you at work, even when it feels like the world is caving in. This is lament, and it's fundamental 
to our walk with Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time to worship, to pray, to look at your word, to explore a topic that is hard, that is heavy, because it reminds us that we live in a broken world that is full of suffering and sadness, a world that is dark. Lord, I pray that we would be reminded that in lament, we're taking a hold of our hard experiences and your promises and turning to you. Point our hearts to you that we might cry out, teach me, O Lord, teach me how to rely on you, to be honest with you, to praise you, and to see you at work every single day. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.